Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Yes, welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Today on the show, we're going to talk to a bloke who was a great first-class cricketer, a very good test cricketer and a very good cricket coach after he finished uh, his playing career. Wayne Clark, welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, great to be here. So, mate, it's been a a life well-lived and uh, a life spent in and around cricket and uh, cricket teams. How did you get involved in cricket in the first place? Um, I suppose when, when you're a kid and in school, when I was at school, there were two things you did. You played footy or you played cricket, you know, and I had a, um, a desire to do both. It was something I did, but I suppose the thing that got me a little bit interested in cricket more was, um, I had a school teacher that was a test cricketer in the way of, I was at Bayswater primary school year three, I think it was three and four and a fellow named Laurie Main became a teacher for a period of time. And during that period that he was there, he disappeared. You know, he just went off and he wasn't there for two or three months. And it turned out he was off to South Africa to play test cricket or something like that. Um, and then I thought that's pretty good. You know, that's not a bad little lifestyle sort of thing. But I suppose if I look back, um, I probably would have picked footy first. Um, well, I did really. I, I really tried to make it out football more than I did at cricket. But I was just very injury prone and I was sort of forced into playing cricket. Um, there was a few incidents that sort of made me realise that, okay, that might be the way to go. So, um, yeah, I played A-grade cricket. Uh, I debuted at a fifth, as a 15-year-old and then it just went on from there. So I've been pretty lucky. So go back to footy. Um, what were you? What type of player were you? And uh, and which zone would you have been in out at uh, Bayswater-Morley? Um, I was in East Perth zone. I started in Swan District zone and then they changed them down to King William Street. So then I ended up coming at East Perth and I went down as a 15-year-old. In those days it was Colts and fourths, so you could play thirds and fourths. And um, then, yeah, I, I, I rated myself. I'd played state schoolboys footy. Um, so, you know, I thought I was pretty good. I've got better <laughs> as the time's gone by. Um but then I just started this run of injuries. I, I remember I broke my hand, you know, and then I came back the first week I came back, I broke an ankle, had to have a pin put in my ankle. Came back the next year, uh, did a collarbone, and then the next year I, I, I came back and I did a, had a depressed fracture of the cheekbone. So that, and, mean, that and, means someone belted you basically, doesn't it? No, no, actually I turned around. It was one of those ones where you're going back with your ball and you turn around the guy come up with a knee and hit me in the face. And and then I thought, well, maybe I, I I could still keep playing. And I remember getting out of hospital pretty vividly on on a, on a Monday, and I went down to a, a game on the Sunday. It was the third grade we're playing, the thirds were playing down at Perth Oval, and um, I was with my girlfriend at the time, and I 
I just said, look, I'll, at three quarter time, I'll just go out and have a listen. So I sort of still taped up and all that sort of stuff. So I went out and there's about probably a hundred people standing around the coach and these kids are kicking the football and they kicked it and they went in and landed on my head. <laughs> and I just went down laying the scream and heap and they, I ended up in the change rooms with a bit of shock and that was sort of a bit of a message, I think, that <laughs> maybe you sort of better give that away. So I think I was about 17 or 18 then and um, I, I sort of tried to come back and play footy. I, I ended up going up to Swan Districts um, and I played nine reserves games or something and I, I became Toddy's runner when John Todd was first there. And that was one of the great experiences I've had in sport of being John Todd's runner. And Did you have to deliver messages oh, as they were spoken to you? Did absolutely. You? But I never did. I became <laughs> a very good at the art of Marcel Marceau in the way that I'd run out and pretend that I was delivering it and then run back in. Because some of the things he'd want me to say, not so much to our players, but to opposition players, <laughs> I just thought, ah, no. No, I'm not. I'm not big enough, and I'm not stupid enough to do that. So, yeah, that was a great thing because I, I I ended up um, in the Nawatney family for a while. So, um, yeah, my time there. But that was I used that then to really to try and get myself fit for cricket, and I sort of debuted at 18. I think it was in well, 1972. I think it was. Went back to and um, so then it just became my focus was cricket. So Bayswater Morley was always the 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 Club yep. in cricket? Yep. I um, started at a club called Bedford, which is yep. as a, an eight-year-old playing under 14s. And again, I suppose I look back now, there was a couple of 14, 15-year-olds that were coaching. One of them was, was Bob Massey. Um, he was uh, tied up with, or 16-year-old, I think he would have been. He's a bit older now than me. Um, so, yeah, I had that influence from him very early. So being able to play with him, Les Varis was another one that uh, had a fair bit of an influence. So... Yeah, I played my first game, which, well, that was interesting in itself. I, I was playing under-16s in the morning and then playing thirds and fourths in the afternoon. And at the end of that year, Bayswater made it to the semi-finals in the A grade. And why the bloody hell they did it? But they picked me in the well, – that was my debut game. It was a semi-final at the Wacker. Wow. Um, and a fellow by the name of Bob Cowper was playing for Netherlands at the time. He was over in WA. I think he came for one year. He made a big hundred. So I can he remember made 300 in a test, didn't he? 300, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was my first introduction. That was at the Wacker. In those days, they played the two semi-finals at the Wacker because they had three yep. sets of pitches. So we played on the West Wicket, and yeah, that was my first uh, A-grade game, which was yeah quite unique. How'd you bowl? Nine overs for 45, I think it was. Right. Like that. So <laughs> no wickets, no fairy tale story, and we got beaten. We got smashed. Were you part of the first grade team the following year? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. I sort of started off in that um, pretty much straight away from that year and sort of probably never looked back from there. So. You made your first class debut in 74-75, I yep. think, which was when the, the Englishmen were out here. Played, uh, would you play one or two games that, that season? Yeah, I play, yeah, probably a couple, I think. I, I, I sort of played one-day cricket. That was in 1972. I played my first one-day game. Um, which was in Sydney, and it was a, that was a semi-final, um, and that was, I think, the Gillette Cup in those days. Yep. And we won and went down to Melbourne to play on the Sunday against New Zealand uh, because New Zealand were in the Gillette Cup competition then. So, so I played in that, and then, no, I think it was 18 then, and sort of had a, 
you know, just trying to get into the team because it was pretty strong in those days with yeah. the, the bowlers that we had. I mean, I suppose that the thing about that first game was I'd, I'd been bowling with Graham McKenzie now. Graham McKenzie just was my absolute idol and always has been and still is. He's just an extraordinary man. So that was one of the great highlights of my career, really, to play my first game with him. But, yeah, it didn't get until that, the touring game, I think, against England. Um, and then, yeah, things just sort of moved on from there, opportunities. It was pretty tough, you know, because WA had a pretty good bowling lineup with the Lilies. And all well, there would have been Lily, Massey, Malone yeah. would have been around there in those yeah, days as well. Yeah, yeah there you, was. You mentioned McKenzie was your hero. Mm. You you weren't dissimilar in, in the action, were you? It was sort of like ambling run up, yep. very strong body through the crease, hit the hit the pitch hard and try and get a bit of fizz off the deck. Well, I, I think I used to just do that in the backyard. Yeah. You know, because he, he was the sort of guy that he sort of like held onto the ball and he brought that right left shoulder right underneath. And, yeah, it, I, it was just all body. And I just think it was one of the most beautiful actions I've seen. And yep. I suppose I, I just try to copy it a hell of a lot. Um, probably didn't do as good a job, but um, it worked out okay. You struggled for opportunity, I think, the following season. I think you might yep. have come in for, for maybe one game. I think Mick Malone was injured. Yep. Um, did you feel like you were making progress or did you feel like it was stagnating a bit at that point? Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it's interesting. I mean, I'd, I had confidence in my ability. I just – I think I had a realistic view of where I was at, on, you know, um, and – I was going okay, so I just needed the opportunity, I suppose, to to get there. Um, when it did come, I just had to try and I'd try and take it as much as I could. But I I was into the wind bowler. I wasn't quick enough to come down breeze, so my options were pretty limited in that regard with some of the competition we've got. But um, yeah, no, no, I, I and I look, I sort of look back on my career and say, okay, I've, I'm so happy where I've got with the ability that I had. Yeah, I worked hard. Um, but I think I I probably played a role pretty well over that period of time, which I think um, got me to where I was. You know, I, I was a certain role player. I was never going to uh, blast sides out or whatever, but I could play a really good role in the team. And I think that then flowed into my coaching and that later on. We'll take a break now and we'll come back and we'll talk about your first class career and your evolution into being a test player, which obviously came about uh, at the same time as uh, World Series cricket came about. Uh, this is Inspiring Sports Stories, brought to you by Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We're talking to Wayne Clark, the former West Australian-Australian uh, pace man and also uh, renowned WA coach, also coach of Yorkshire for a while. Wayne, we've got to a point where you are uh, just making your way into the, the WA team. Tell us about your first full season of first-class cricket and who was around you and what sort of team there was. Uh, was Inverarity still captain yep. at that time? Yeah, yeah. John Inverarity, I think, um, had a great influence on everybody's career around that time. You know, he was the man that was in charge, but, you know, we had the Marshes and Lairds and guys of that nature. Ian Brayshaw was also a, a massive influence. 
in my career because he captained uh, uh, quite a few times in um, that period. And uh, Sticks was pretty straight. And, um, yeah, and, and the thing was it was a very, very much a, a team-based group of guys. They, they really enjoyed each other's company on and off the field. They played it very hard. Training in those days is a little bit different to what we see now, you know. The so what was training? How did you – did you just go to the nets and bowl? Was well, usually, did? yeah, it was like Wednesdays. Like Tuesday, Thursdays was the club. Um, Wednesday would be state training. You'd Everyone had a job, of course, and you'd get there at five, just like a normal grade game training, really, I suppose. And some blokes would go and run up to do the bridges and run around there and do the five caves. Others would just bowl and, yeah. And it wasn't, I suppose, one of the biggest influences that – the WA cricket was when Daryl Foster came across from Victoria. He came as a more of as a practice captain. It wasn't a coach in those days because the captain was always in control and Invers was the man. And Daryl just introduced different things. He was tied up at the uni. He was tied up in physical science, and and we actually started doing pre-season training down at uh, the University of WA, and um, yeah, actually testing, and we're actually joining in with some of the hockey players and suddenly realised the difference in fitness between hockey players and cricket players. and um, So I think his influence, yeah, he introduced, he introduced uh, baseball gloves to cricket, you know, and suddenly we'd be going touring and we'd be using baseball gloves and opposition sides would be saying, well, what's going on here? You know, mm. so that was the sort of thing that was pretty innovative at that time. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was a good environment get on the plane to go over there, you'd have a couple of beers on the way over, you know, and it was just a totally different, uh, relaxed way that you played cricket in those days. But I think Lily's injury was another thing that I think inspired people, the way that he uh, suddenly got himself so fit. Mm -hmm. and, and that was the start of the era of guys really focusing on physical fitness in, in cricket, which wasn't really um, pride of place. What was it like playing with Dennis Lilly, sharing a bowling attack with Dennis Lilly? Oh, it was extraordinary, you know, and um, to, to bowl from the other end to him, you, you just knew that blokes were trying to going to probably have a go at you <laughs> because they they thought it was too hard against him. So he probably gets you a few wickets. But just I think playing with him sort of gave you, made you feel stronger, bigger, and, and the whole bit, the whole team. But you just realised why he was so good, you know, just his attitude. It was never so dire. At no stage did you think, you know, you're going to lose a game. You know, I mean, the, the prime moment was the miracle match when we were bowled out for 77, I think it was, or 76. And What was that deck like? It must have been. Yeah, it was a bit in it. Yeah, there was a bit in it. It was a bit in it at the time. But, um just he he was just coming back from injury in that too, I think, around that time. And just his attitude when we got into the change rooms, you know, they've they've got Viv Richards and Greg Chappell and you know Martin Kent and, you know, a really strong batting lineup and we're we're trying to protect seventy seven and just his his way that, you know, Rod Mars sort of signaled, you know, tried to make a speech and he just said, Let's not worry about it, let's just get out and use a few expletives and Yeah. And that first over I think is um, legendary, you know, to the way that he bowled to Viv Richards, bowled five bounces in a row and then pitched one up and knocked the off stump over and run down and kicked the stump. And, and, and it just, yeah, it's just an extraordinary 
pleasure to be able to play with someone like that. And Rod Marsh, you know, Rod Marsh was someone, again, that he was just tough. Yep. It was just a tough competitor. Um, you knew where you stood with him. You know, if, you, if when he was captain, um, if you bowled badly, he'd just say, mate, that's it, get off, you know, and I'll bring you back on later on when you're doing what I tell you to do. You know, little things like that. That that was the way I was brought up um, and, yeah, loved it. In that miracle match, so I think Dennis took four. Yep. Did you take three? Did I you took three. Three, yeah. and yep. Mick Malone got a couple, I think, when there might have been a run out. Yeah, it was a run out. That was the final one, Dennis yeah. Shuler, who had a, didn't have the biggest of games. I think he bowled yeah. one or two overs for 25 <laughs> in, a, in a total of 77 and ran out uh, McLean, I think it was, and then cut one to Craig Sargent in Gully. I, I mean, I'd seen, I've watched it that many times, I suppose, over that period of time. Um, it was just uh, an extraordinary game. And it was interesting at the change of innings how many people left and then how many came back, Yeah, you know, when it started looking like something was going to happen. So, uh, and, and in those days, the Wacker, you know, was, was quite an intimate uh, little arena. And, yeah, it was great. So fascinating back in those days because all the test players used to play a lot of oh. first-class cricket, didn't they? So yeah. the, the calibre of cricket you would have been playing at that level would have been very high. Well, and, and the other thing, Mark, was that they'd come back and play grade cricket. Yeah. And it was, they wanted to, you know, they'd, they'd, if anyone said, no, you can't play, no, I will play. And they'd come back and play shield cricket and they'd go and play. Dennis played for Perth and I think Rod did at the time. And you're expected to go back and play grade cricket. And the competition, the grade competition was an extraordinary competition then. And because each club had, you know, a couple of really quality fast bowlers. And, um, you know, we were just producing quick bowlers all around the place. So it was very competitive to, to get a spot. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I think their attitude just sort of permeated through the whole team, you know, of commitment to WA and to WA cricket. And that just led to that success. And then, Eventually, you know, you've got seven players in a test team, you know, mm. out of the one team. And, and again, that's something that was professed to me and I still try and profess it now with the coaching that I do now is that if you create a successful team, the individual success follows. And, and you can see it, you know, when New South Wales are strong, they had the full representation of, you know, the test side. And then WA went through that era, Queensland went through that era. So you create the basics and you create that successful team. And that's what you said, try and play to say to individuals, focus on playing for the team and doing your role and you will benefit. But if you're just selfish like now trying to, all I want to do is play IPL, you'll struggle, you know, if you set your targets like that. Do the right thing and it'll work out for you. From memory, and correct me if I'm wrong, but after you won the Miracle Match, you also had to pull one out mm. in the final against the Vicks at yeah. the MCG, didn't you? Was it, was it Mick Malone batted you to victory in yep, that game? Yep, um, What What role did you have in that one? I was in the partnership. For the, the, we were nine down, I think it was, and yep. we needed 30-odd runs. And, um, yeah, we, we got them. It was an amazing thing. I think uh, Alan Hurst was playing, uh, oh, um, Max Walker, um, and, and Robertson was the, the thing. Yeah, we were in all sorts of trouble, and... Um, yeah, I joined Mick. He got 50-odd. I didn't get many. Yeah. And in those days, there was no field restrictions, and I can always remember the last ball. And I'm not sure whether it was Trevor Lachlan or that was bowling. And there was about seven or eight blokes on the boundary, and Mick French cut one. 
and it was the best, <laughs> best and the safest shot, and about the only place he was going to hit a four, I think. So yeah. yeah, no, that was yeah. We went straight across there and had to play in that, and it was a pretty extraordinary final. Yeah. Good bouncy MCG deck, was it? Back oh, no, yeah. It was running along the ground, was it? <laughs> it wasn't running along the ground. It was, wasn't a bad deck, but, um, yeah, there were some shockers in those days. That, uh, you know, they went went through a real bad period there for a while, and that was when Rod, I think, was going to use a baseball glove and stand back, you know, because they just, yeah. Did you start to think at that stage that you may have been able to push on to higher honours to, to, to get a Guernsey in a test team? Um, yeah, I... I I don't know, to tell you the truth, I, I, it's hard to remember what I thought at those times, but um, I always had that in the back of your mind that, you know, who knows? And and the thing with the game of cricket, you have two two or three good games and suddenly you're in the in the mix, yep. you know, because, um, and a lot of it's about opportunity. Um, you know, you see wicket keepers that don't get opportunities because of just the era that they're in and there's batsmen and bowlers and, you know, um, my opportunity came up through World Series cricket and um, I'd been performing pretty well at the time. Um, I got an offer to go to World Series cricket. Yeah, t- tell um, us about that. Who who contacted you? Um, uh, Ian Chappell and, and Rod Marsh. I'd nearly got on the tour. I'd, I'd, I was very close to getting on the tour to that tour to England. Yep. So I, I knew I've, I'm, I'm thereabouts. I'm sort of like in the, the 20 uh, around the, the traps. And um, yeah, I just got a phone call out of the blue and then... I can't remember the fellow that came down to see me. It was during the, an A-grade game down at Hillcrest Oval and it was all a bit clandestine. You know, I had to move, go across the other side of it and we met behind a tree and and it was a fellow that was tied up with, um, yeah, I can't, I just can't remember his name now. And, yeah, he discussed what was it about. I'd already spoken to Rod and um, Ian about the things. and Did they talk money? Yeah, they spoke money. Yeah, yeah. They, so what sort of money would you have been paid? About 22500 at the time, which is pretty good money. So what were you doing for work at that stage? I was a school teacher. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, we just had our first child. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of a security base there, which I was fairly, I suppose, uh, wary of and, you know, not wary that, to go and do something like this was, you know, it wasn't all that secure maybe. And mm. was I guaranteed to play in, in the test matches, which probably wasn't at the time. I'd, I'd be out of Ballarat and they actually came back. And when I said that I probably wouldn't, they came back and offered that I could just play during my school holidays. And Rob Langer did that. I don't know if you remember, Rob Langer was involved with that and he was a school teacher at the time. And he played, but just during school holidays. And that was quite... Quite an asset. So, but I, yeah, I weighed it up. I'd, I'd sort of made a phone call and tried to find out where I was sitting, if you know, where the cricket was going to go and where I sat. And I wasn't guaranteed a game, but it was sort of made fairly known that I'd be probably right in the mix at the time if I stayed with the establishment. Um, yeah, it was a pretty tough decision. It was a tough decision because it was was pretty good money, you know, for the time yeah. that you're going to play, but. I suppose, you know, I weighed up. I remember sitting up on the list of pros and the cons and, yeah, it took a long time to make that decision. But I look back at it. Um, I think they got paid four for the two years that they played. So financially that would have been good. But in the long term, I think I've got no regrets because I just think it was the right thing for me as it turned out for a career in cricket. We'll take a break. This is Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. 
Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We're talking to Wayne Clark, former WA and Australian paceman and renowned coach of cricket teams. Wayne, we talked about before the break, uh, you've been offered 22000 Dollars to play World Series cricket. What would that equate to in today's money? Do you reckon? How did that compare to your teaching salary, for example? Um, it's probably you know, probably a year's salary around that yeah. time. I think. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't wasn't much more. No, it wasn't much less. It's hard, you know. It's. Uh, I know. I I kind of remember even when I went. I got picked and went to the West Indies. I I was still teaching them, but I got the time off, mm. but. What I made to play the West Indies—that's what I lost through my work, sort of thing. So the money wasn't great at those days, you know. And Which is why World Series happened in the first. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things I can always remember—we played a, a, a one-day final up in Brisbane, and we were getting paid twenty-five dollars for the day. You know, this was a final, and they had Thompson and you know, Borden. Anyway, Jeff Thompson ended up chatting to the lady, one of the the models that was handing out the. Gillette Cup things, and he ended up marrying her actually. <laughs> um, but they were getting paid $75. Right. You know, so they were just handing out, you know, Gillette Cup razors and cream and all that, and they were getting paid three times what the players were getting. So it's amazing, isn't it? It really? was, yeah. And then, and that was a discussion there, and that was at the build. That was that was probably about, might have been 75, 76, just prior to it all starting. So yeah. um, there was, and I think Cricket Australia had a fair bit of money you know, squirrelled away and, uh, but yeah, the players were getting none of it. So I think any, um, test player now should have a little statue of Kerry Packer at the end of the bed and just give him a little rub on the tummy every time because, you know, what, what they did with World Series cricket has set up what the players get now and how the game was changed. You are picked in the first test to play India. Yep. Uh, they were the team that came out here under, um, I think Bishan Beatty Bishan was the Beatty, captain. Yep. Um, and two thrilling victories in the first and second test. You played a role both with bat and ball in those games, didn't you? You, you took wickets and, and you got important runs. Yeah, I don't know if I got too many runs, but I've never been one of them. But, yeah, look, I, I got uh, four for an each innings, I think, of the, of the first four innings, you know. So, um, yeah, it was a good start. It was a good start. Um, and um, – but it – Went to a little bit of uh, rubbish, I suppose, after the – just in the test match here. Because the first one was in Brisbane, second one was in Perth, and, and a little incident happened, which I didn't realise would affect probably the rest of my career. It was um, – I'd, I'd got Gavaskar out four times. Yeah. Or six times, really, because we played a, um, a game against India as a shield game, and we had to come back and play in that as well. Um, but I was – they doubted my action. My action was questioned. Um, but in those days, you know, you, you had no idea of camera work or whatever. But Channel 9, I remember Channel 9 coming down and taking vision and all that sort of stuff. And you know, everyone was quite happy with what it was. But I didn't realise that that questioning of it would affect 
for the rest of my career in a way, you know, that and and it probably it ended up with me sort of playing just the ten tests that I played. Um and I look at it look back at it. Because when I went to the West Indies, the first test I was playing there, um, at lunchtime the umpire Douglas Sang was tied up with World Series. Yep. Came in and at, at lunch and said they were gonna call me. Um and I changed ends and I played the rest of the series and I, I didn't play the last test match, I think it was. And, um, and there was an article written by Peter McFarlane uh, in that off-season saying that I'd never play for Australia again and because my name had gone to the ICC. Mine and Bruce Yardley's, because Bruce Yardley was called in the West Indies at that time. For throwing? For throwing. And Was Bruce bowling off-spin at that stage or yeah, was he bowling? Yeah, no, he was bowling off-spin. And, um, uh, and you look back... What it what was next series was a series against England where they blitzed us and it was just ideal. I had, I had my best shield season probably. I'd, I'd had some back problems which I had a stress fracture at the back, but I played a good season and was questioned why I didn't play. And it was made clear to me, Mike McFarlane. He says, "Well, your name's gone to the ICC, but back to the Bradman days, anyone with a, a questionable action doesn't play against England." Yep. He says, look, there's a series against Pakistan coming up. I bet you play against them, which I did. I played one test. Second test was in Perth, and the side that went played in Perth went to England for the Prudential Cup. Bruce Yardley never went to England, um, and that was part of that as well when I look back at it over a period of time. It affected him his career you know, in uh, aspects as well. I remember, like, and I remember watching you bowl and never even questioned no. for a minute, but – you did have the ability to bowl a good bouncer, didn't you? Yep. With an effort ball. And yep. Do you think it resulted from that? Do you think? Oh, I think it? so. Yeah. yeah. My my bounce was a lot quicker than now. Whether I did, I don't think I did. I I was very wristy, and and as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, I had a very uh, sort of blase run up, I suppose. You know, very relaxed, and I used a lot of body, mm. and and I was able to generate more. And people say, "Oh, you, you're a swing bowler." Yeah, I did, but my my assets was more off the pitch. You know, that I was able to. And it goes back to Graham McKenzie. You look at Graham McKenzie, the way that he bowled, and that's why I, I modelled myself on him. And um, But, yeah, it, it and, I, and I suppose the disappointing thing was that I got no support from Cricket Australia, absolutely no support. They just dropped me as soon as possible in that regard, you know. And um, I look back. I never, I've never really spoken about it until about, you know, probably three or four years ago. I just kept it myself. And, um, you know, I was pretty bitter at the time. In, in some ways, but there's no good getting worried about it. I'm the only one that it suffers. No one, no one else cares to listen about it. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. and um, Yeah, I can talk about it now, which I never would. Yeah. 28 wickets in that series against India. Yeah. You also played in a fascinating test in the West Indies, which was the third test. I think they belted the living suitcase out of you with the World Series cricket boys playing in the first couple and then – they made way and um, you took wickets and I think Craig Sargent and Graham Wood got, got runs, yeah. had the big partnership at the end of it, which that tests are hard to win in the West Indies. Oh, they were. Yeah, no, we performed pretty well, you know. Um, it was a bit of an uphill battle in the, you know, when, in those you say, in the first two tests when they had, I think, Holding and Roberts and yeah, yeah. we had Tomo who sort of bit of firepower. Um, but, um, and then in their full batting team. So, yeah, they left after that. And, and it was pretty tumultuous times too because the crowd's reaction too because their star players weren't playing. And, and of course, we had a, um, 
in the fifth test, we had a, a riot where they invaded the ground and the, the game was abandoned. And um, I can always remember driving out of there in a, in a minibus with um, guys in the front with machine guns back and front. And when we got to a hotel, they had guards all around the place because they'd come on and there were shots fired. So um, which venue was this at? This was in Jamaica. Jamaica. Jamaica's often the uh, yeah. the fireest place, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And, yeah, they sort of – we were going to go back and play the next day, but they dug up the pitch and that as well. So, yeah, that was pretty frightening. And and I think when World Series guys went there, there was a, um, a, a riot in that as well. So, yeah, it was an interesting tour, um, but, yeah, great experience. Very quickly, we're going to take a break and then we'll talk about your coaching career. Mm. Um how quick was Tomo? Oh, he's by far the quickest I've seen and faced. Or yeah, he, just that sling action. He didn't know where they were going. So you know, at times he'd buy one that would be nearly be a beaner. That at that pace, yeah, he was dangerous. And um, yeah, I don't think I've seen anybody. Brett Lee, I saw one where he bowled at, at the Wacker when I was coaching against our guys, where he got up to. 160 or something like that. But I, th- I just reckon Tomo was, yeah, by far the quickest I've ever seen. We'll take a break. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Yes, welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories, brought to you by Bauer and O'Day. We're talking to Wayne Clark. Wayne, we're we're getting towards the end of your playing career, and then when a person's playing career finishes, they either go in a different direction or they stay around and coach or administer. How did you end up being a, a cricket coach? Well, I don't know, really. It wasn't my prime aim, I... When I retired from cricket, I I left teaching, you know, because I it was all it was just allowed to have a job. Rod Marsh put me onto work at Swan Brewery, and I suddenly became the best job I've ever had in my life, being a rep for the brewery. And um, I still played great cricket, and I was sort of captain coach of teams and and things like that. So um, I then got into a, a little bit of the media and that as well. At Channel Nine, used to uh, broadcast the the cricket on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, leading into their news. So I used to do that with Michael Thompson and um, Bruce Walker and Mick Malone. And I got the, I probably asked to move on. I did have one little incident where um, I don't know how it was because I was just an expert comments person, supposedly. And I was asked to pass on to the news because it went directly into the news. And um, I'd never used to watch Channel 9 much. And I was always a Channel 7 person and I had to sort of pass to Tina Altieri and I've said, oh, yeah, well done. Thanks for at, at the Wacker. We'll now pass to Tina, Tina Altieri for Channel 7 News. Whoops. Uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> and the producer in my ear, oh, boy. And I, I, I sort of finished the year, but I wasn't there next year. So. <laughs> but, I, but I I didn't um, – I was out of, out of cricket for about nine years. I was involved in a liquor store. I'd left the brewery and bought a liquor store with a couple of blokes. And, and I, Tony Mann approached me uh, one day. He came up and said he was the director of cricket or whatever it is and asked if I'd be interested in putting into Coach WA. And I said, well, why? What's going on? And at that time, it was an ab- that the Adam Gilchrist situation. He just came across. Yep. 
Um, they just named Damien Martin and Justin Langer as captain and vice captain, 20 and a 20-year-old or 21, I think they were. So then you had a group with Moody and all the senior blokes that wondering what's going on because that was when they changed the names to the Warriors. So it was all about a marketing mm. to try and do that. Um, and then you had all these other young kids in Hussies and all that there. And Anyway, I, I sort of said, no, I couldn't do it the first time. And then he and Chris Smith came back and I just thought, oh, well, I want a different change in direction. So I, I, I went back to cricket, um, which was not planned and I loved it. Um, it but it was a tough job at, at the beginning because WA cricket at the time was in a bit of turmoil. There was four little divisions and I just went back to the basics of what um, I did when I played and sort of had a, a little five-point um, philosophy of the team and the pride of who you play for, work ethic, planning and, and enjoyment and set our guidelines and work within them. Anyone that stepped outside, anyone that compromised the team, I didn't have anything to do with, you know. Um, and one of the, the best things I did for WA cricket, I suppose, after all, was I used to had a bit to do with Damien Martin for quite a long time when mm. I was coaching out at Wanneroo. And to put him as captain at that time, and both of them, was just an absolute mistake. And I can remember when I first took the job and I, I said to Damien, I said, look, I don't think you should be captain, but if you decide to do it, I'll give you all the support you need. And we had a good discussion and he decided he'll, he'd do it. But after five games, I think or four games it was, we'd, we hadn't won a game. He hadn't made a run. There was everything going on and I'm trying to keep everybody together. So I went to the selectors and said, well, I think we should look at changing the captain. Oh, no, 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 no. So I went, took it on myself. Um, I went and spoke to Tom Moody. I said to Tom, look, this is what I think needs to happen. If, if it does happen, would you take on the captaincy? So then I went back to Damien and spoke to him and really just put the point to him that it's not doing him any good. It's not doing the club team any good. And I'd said that if you wanted to play test cricket, you know, you've just got to worry about what you're doing. And we went ahead and he made an announcement. And, um, and I was either, it was like I'm going to coach for a while or I'm finished at the end of the year if it didn't work. Um, but Tom went in as uh, captain and then we ended up winning most of the games to get through to a, a final in Adelaide which I think is one of the best games of cricket I've been involved in. It went down to we wanted the last wicket. They wanted 11 runs. No, no they had to face 11 overs, I think it was, because they only had to draw. And it was just an unbelievable game of cricket, which we lost. Well, we didn't lose it. They drew it right. in South Australia above us. Last time they've ever won it. Um, and, yeah, we just created a um, a culture and a a group of guys that played for each other over a period of time and we had a pretty successful run. And if I ever look back and sort of say, people ask you what, you know, you've done and I think it was that decision because we had no test players and from then Martin Langer, um, Moody, Julian, they all went back and played test cricket and then we had um, Hussey, Campbell, uh, Kadich and all these guys that were playing at the time and we created that, as I said at the beginning of this interview, that we created that successful team environment and then the, uh, the other success followed. And that's been a philosophy of mind for a whole lot and that hopefully is what WA cricket's still about. Why does WA produce so many good cricketers? Do you think you've just mentioned a very rich vein of talent 
from your era, we're seeing incredible depth mm. in and around the squad at the moment. Why, why are we so strong? Um, I think we've got good facilities. I, when I say facilities, not, not at the Wacker, um, that we will have. But um, I think our uh, pitches and that that we play on are very, very good. Um, and we've had great people, great mentors to, to follow, you know, when it goes back to the Barry Shepherd days and, you know, the guys that come through, the the Brayshaws, the Lilies, the Marshes, and, and, and the the job that John Inverarity's done over that period of time. And they've stayed, they've stayed involved a hell of a lot, you know, and, um, yeah, the standards have been set uh, for a long period of time and the players still come back and get involved and, um, the professionalism now, I, you know, what we've seen with the 2020 and the Scorchers, you know, the way JL set that up, I think has been extraordinary and the way Adam Voges has continued now and just the professionalism. Um, beautiful conditions to play. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and of course, it's it's us against them. It always has been and still is. You know, we're on this side of the thing. We've been had players that believe we should have played test cricket and, you know, uh, bloody New South Walesman, and, you know, paper bags with caps in it and all that sort of stuff. So, Do you reckon, um, is that sort of us without, we, we do famously have a chip on the shoulder. I think, I always believe it's because most federal elections are decided before they even start counting our votes. <laughs> so that's kind of at the heart of it, I reckon. Um, but is it real, do you think, this, we perceive an East Coast bias where cricket's concerned? Is that oh, real I, or is it imagined? I think we have done, yeah. 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 And I, I think we, we relate a lot with Queensland because I think it was been pretty similar to them. Um, you know, we only had a certain number of votes um, on the board. You know, we had one board member, New South Wales had three and Victoria had three. And so there's always been that bias, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's changed. It's, it's, it's run well now. And, um, but we still like to think that, you know, we would like to use that. Do you, you, you still do some media stuff. Um, do you like cricket now? Do you like what the game's become? And do you like the state of the game in Australia? Um, I think I'm a bit like some that I'm, I'm a little disappointed with some of the things that have happened at that top level. Um, and until we're prepared to really be open about it and tell us really what's happened in certain situations. So we're talking about sandpaper. Game. Yeah, I think so. I, I just think there's still a lot more to be, to come out. And until that does, I, I think, and I, and I'm just, you know, my, my talks with just the general punter, mm. you know, they know that all the truth hadn't come out. And I think there's a trust thing that's um, been lost. And until that's done, I, I just don't think that respect is going to be there for, for the for what you know we're seeing at the moment. And people are pretty quick to criticise at the moment. I still love the game. I think Sheffield Shield is unfortunately, you know, hasn't the respect that it has, that it should have, because that's where we're producing. That's the reason we've been so strong, you know, and, and they've sort of shortened all the, the fixtures into little blocks. And, you know, even when there's a test series on here, we've got no shield cricket to, to, to pick form on, you know. So there's little things like that. I think there's been a bit of a disrespect for the, the shield game. But, I mean, I'm still involved heavily in grey cricket. Um, I, I still love it. I still just love... Um, yeah, just seeing guys succeed and uh, trying to, and it, it's not all not about them playing state cricket or test cricket. It's about them playing at the the best level that they can possibly play. And um, so, yeah, 
I remember walking in at the Wacker, I think, as about a 14-year-old, and I'm still a regular down there. I've been a selector, and yeah, so yeah. Yeah, love the game. Wayne, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Um, terrific to hear your story. Um, I grew up watching you and others, so it's uh, it's been a trip down memory lane for me. Uh, Wayne Clark has been brought to you today with inspiring sports stories by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.